Hello, hello. What's up? It's Billy Carson, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. I'm back on the Forbidden Knowledge podcast after after traveling around the world nonstop in the last month. It's really been almost like a full year of travel, but I'm glad to be back. And I have some great information for you as well. We are going to be launching a brand new relaunch and rebrand of the Forbidden Knowledge podcast very, very soon with great interviews. I'm still going to do my incredible rants, um, but just giving it a slightly new look and feel since this has been the way we've been now for maybe about two years. So it's time to add a little bit more flavor to it. So we're getting ready to amp it up a little bit more. All right. That's going to come very, very soon. Thank you, every single person in the live chat. I see a lot of great comments. Um, and yes, uh, for those of you who don't know and for those of you who do know, I can see a lot of congratulations in the live chat. I recently got married uh, on December the 4th uh, this year. Uh, so it was a great experience. It was phenomenal. It was a very beautiful indigenous wedding done by the tribes of Bora Bora and Tahiti. Um, and the, the, the chief came and blessed us and spoke in the ancient tongues. And it was just a mind-blowing wedding. It was something that literally, you know, you just see on in a movie. It was like a dream like literally a dream. It was incredible. And I actually lived it. So it was so phenomenal. Um, definitely, definitely going to bring it to you. We're uh, going to create our new travel blog. So our travel blog is coming very, very, very soon. And because we have terabytes of data from traveling around the world nonstop. I think we've well, you know, been around the world at least. I mean, personally, I've been around the world at least 19 or 20 times. Just in the last month, I did 1.5 loops around the planet. So looking forward to bringing you the travel blog as well, all right? And so I got my beautiful ring. I got the, it's, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it's got emeralds in there, green emeralds, of course, for the emerald tablets. She know what I like, black gold, black gold and green emeralds. Incredible. So thank you, my love, Elizabeth. And her new name now is Elizabeth Carson, okay? <laughs> so it was, it was amazing. And we're going to bring that to you very soon. We got married in Bora Bora. Uh, now, what's incredible about Bora Bora, by the way, since we're talking about Egypt and ancient civilizations tonight, Bora Bora is the dipole of Egypt. As a matter of fact, if you draw a line through Bora Bora straight through the earth, you pop out at where? You pop out at Egypt. And according to the ancients, who actually owns or who was that particular island island area attributed to ownership of Tahuti, Tahuti from Africa, a.k.a. Thoth, the Atlantean priest king. So it was a beautiful place, perfect place, uh, perfect timing, and uh, got married on December the 4th, and that was at the Four Seasons at 4.44 p.m., and we did our forbidden nuptials. <laughs> Listen, it's all about alignments. And what's crazy is it wasn't even planned to be like that. The original wedding date was on December the 9th, and then it had to get moved up some because of another engagement that we had to take care of in Egypt. So we, at the last minute, we moved the date. And some people, unfortunately, because of that, couldn't even make it. So it wasn't planned. And then uh, the four seasons, that was planned. But the start time was supposed to be 3 p.m., but we had some rain in the morning which delayed some of the setup. 
and allowed the actual ceremony to begin at 4.44 p.m. Just incredible universal clockwork. What can you say? <laughs> Everything works out in divine time. So we're here tonight. We're going to have a great talk, talking about the ancient secrets of Samaria and Kemet. And what are these ancient secrets I want to talk about tonight? I want to talk about the ancient secret of longevity of life, extended life uh, lifespans that aren't really talked about in the mainstream. We've heard about, you know, they got technology. We know they got, they had great building techniques and they had advanced this and advanced that. Hardly anybody's talking about the lifespans. Okay, so we're going to talk about the lifespans tonight. The lifespans of these people from the ancient past, pretty much our ancient ancestors. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go a little bit into the Sumerian Kings list. All right. Uh, and then from the Sumerian Kings list, I'll go the pre-Diluvian Kings and probably into some of the post-Diluvial Kings. And I'll start telling you their recorded lifespans. I'm going to show you the actual document that it's recorded on and tell you where it's located. Okay. And then I'm going to go into the uh, Egyptians Kings list. And we'll talk a little bit about the Egyptians and the pre-dynastic era, and then into the dynastic era and how they connected to the Sumerians. Okay. And let me go ahead and just remove one spammer from the live chat because somebody's trying to spam. Oops, wrong button there. Let me find this spammer here and get rid of this spammer real quick, guys. You know, you just you got these spammers just nonstop. <laughs> they don't give up, man. First and foremost, I'm glad. Well, I'm saying that in the beginning of every video, I'm going to say this from here on out. And at the end, we do not reply to any YouTube comments with a WhatsApp number, okay? We do not reply to any YouTube comments with a WhatsApp number. If you comment on my YouTube post, whether it's on a community post as an image, or whether it's a poll, or whether it's a YouTube video, uh, or any other kind of post that I make literally almost anywhere on any platform, we will not reply and tell you to contact us on a WhatsApp number. I will not reply to any comment and tell you to send me a DM because I don't even check DMs. It's over 80,000 unread DMs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to reply and say, send me a DM. It's not going to happen. Okay. Too many people are falling for these scammers without even checking the account. It's clear that this account is almost at a million subscribers. And then they're replying to people that have only maybe 10 or 15 subscribers, some none and, and, mo and all of them, no videos. Okay, so don't fall for that trap. Don't fall for the tricks. One lady sent in a quarter of a million dollars, her entire divorce settlement check. She sent it to some scammer that said that they put a WhatsApp number and said, contact me. Okay, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, come on, we got to do better. <laughs> okay, we got to do better. Don't, don't hit up people that's putting replies to your comments. Obviously, we post everything in this format. I'm going to make a video. I'm going to talk to you, right? I'm going to put links to stuff that's on official websites like my website or our funding website. It's not going to be a crazy looking WhatsApp number made with different images to look like it's stitched together so that YouTube can't catch the spam or whatever it is that they're doing. All right. Anyway, that being said, I just want to let you know, do not reply. Do not reply because I'm not going to reply to your comments 
with any kind of, uh, I guess, direction for you to call me so I can talk to you. It's just not going to happen, okay? <laughs> and if you think that's happening, you're delusional. All right, anyway, I got it out of the way. So let's get back into the talk tonight. I just had to get that spam around there as well. Again, thank you for all the congratulations in the live chat. I appreciate it. Okay, so <clears throat> now what is the Sumerian kings list? It's an incredible list of kings that ruled on planet Earth long, 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 long ago. We're talking about very long ago. So when I see inside of actual university textbooks, and when I study classes online, like at Harvard, you find out that they want to tell you civilizations going back about six to 8,000 years. There's a big problem with that date, that time period. First of all, the reason why you're talking about between five to 6,000 is because that's about the average time that most of the Sumerian tablets are known to be, uh, used to be, had known to be, you know, had known to be, uh, been existing or had been written, that, that date going back that far. And so that time period or that time frame got put into dogma, into religious systems, and then they now say the planet's only that old. It's a farce and it's a joke because we know we found things on this planet, hundreds of thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands, and even millions of years old. And so you can't just wish this stuff away out of existence just because your dogma tells you, no, this is the time frame. Well, where did the religions get the time frame? They got the time frame from the dating of most of the tablets. Now we know even tablets that go back further than that. So now what do they have to say? Well, they're not going to change their dogma, obviously. Okay. But the Sumerian kings, this is incredible because it records the names of these kings. It records the how long each king ruled. And it records the city that they ruled from. Okay. It records the city that they actually ruled from. Think about that. So we're talking about a high level of information. We're talking about a real account. And then when we go back, we meaning archaeologists, to the names of these places in Mesopotamia, which is now modern-day Middle East, Iraq, Iran, Tehran, and all these places, guess what we discover? We discover remnants of those ancient cities. They actually existed. We've, we can see the remnant structures in the ground buried by sand, some sticking up above the sand, some underneath the sand, discovered through ground penetrating radar and, and LIDAR and everything else. So we know that these structures in these cities did exist, and the evidence, the physical evidence of them is still here today. I'm talking about everything through Assyria, Akkadian, uh, Babylonian, you know, Persian, all of that, Turkey. And then we're going to, don't worry, we're talking about Africa too. But I want to talk about the Sumerian kings list because this is the most accurate list of kings in procession that exists with these extensive lifespans. The Egyptian kings list actually only picks up around the third dynasty because a lot of the information had kind of been lost. We kind of got the names here and there. We kind of got the dates through estimates of star alignments and some other accounts 
with the Sumerian Kings list, bah, 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 right down the line. Okay, right down the line. And what's incredible about this is you discover that they even let some women rule at some point. So some women even had kingship over the planet. This list is not ruling over a specific region of the earth, but over planet earth itself. Pretty interesting. All right. So let's go through it. Let me show you a picture. Now, where can you find this Sumerian kings list, this mythical, these mythical tablets? Well, there's only one, and that actually is located. The original is located at the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England. So I took a trip there myself, and this is the photo that I took there of the original Sumerian kings list. This is taken directly from Elizabeth's cell phone camera on an iPhone 14, and these images are copywritten. But this is the, these are the images. This is one tablet taken from multiple sides because you can get very close and you can go around 180 degrees around the tablet where it's located currently at the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England. It's written in cuneiform, which is where you take a stylus, a wooden stylus, and you wedge, with a wedge at the end, you wedge imprint into wet clay. This is an extensive list and a lot of information. Nobody sits around on a Saturday afternoon in ancient times and goes, you know what? I think I'll get my wedge out and get some wet clay and a stone and I'll just start making up names of kings and locations and times and dates and, and ruling uh, periods. I think I'll just make it up. I think I'll just fabricate this just for, you know, just for the fun of it. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. These people literally recorded what they knew. In ancient times, every moment was precious. Every moment was about survival. Every moment was about learning, growing, especially during a golden age. Nobody just got out wet clay and a stylus and just start imprinting cuneiform into wet clay to make up sci-fi stories. It, it just didn't happen, you see? So we discredit our ancestors quite a bit by saying, oh, no, that can't be real. What we're doing is we're saying they're dumb. We're saying that they were stupid. We're saying that they, they, that they were idiots. Not the case. In, more, in most cases, they were way smarter than us. If anything, we're, just, we're trying to catch up to what they already knew, and we're not even close. So the more I hear people doubting these ancient texts and tablets and what these ancestors were capable of doing with construction techniques and advanced tools and, and everything else that they were able to accomplish, including talking about traveling in the skies and even into space in ancient tablets, and we and we and we scoff and we say, "Oh, that's that's baloney." And meanwhile, we're driving cars with combustion engines in the 21st century. We're driving cars with batteries that are made from forced child labor in Africa. And we're talking about, "Nah, that can't be real. They didn't do that." We can barely get from point A to point B. I had to fly from. Miami, Florida, 
to Cambodia. It took me 38 hours. It took me 38 hours to fly from Miami to Cambodia. Why is that happening in the 21st century? For goodness sake, is this the best we can do? Is this the best we can muster up? Is this the best technology we have? No. So when we look back at what these ancient cultures were capable of doing and we laugh and we scoff and we say, oh man, they just, you know, it's a myth. But meanwhile, the evidence is right laid right before our feet. And we choose to ignore it, put our head in the sand. We're slapping them in the face. And it's disgusting. So let's get into it. I'm going to pull down the Sumerian Kings list. All right. Let me just pull it up. I'm going to read it. It won't be on your screen, but I'm just going to read it for you guys. I'm going to go through it here. I'm going to go through kind of slow. Some of these names are pretty, pretty uh, intricate. <laughs> it's uh, the best way I can put it. Some of these names are pretty hard to pronounce. All right. But I'm going to pull it up real quick and I'm going to go over it. And uh, we're going to read it. And we're going to talk about these lifespans. All right. <clears throat> the Sumerian Kings list translation. So what I'm going to start reading from here now is a translation of the actual tablet itself. All right. And let me uh, pull this out and separate it from the uh, the other screen real quick, and then we're going to go into this. All right. Now, let me pull this up and overlay it here. All right. Let me move this over to the right. Like I said, I'm going to go through it kind of slow. Somebody said my audio is lagging a little bit. I don't know. Who knows about these uh, we keep calling this stuff modern technology. It doesn't seem modern because every time I, you know, every few weeks I get on, it's some kind of technological problem. Let me know in the chat about the, the lagging. Is it lagging or are we good? Somebody said it's lagging. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute it. And I'm going to come back in. Hold on a second, guys. Let me see if I can do it this way, because I want to be on point with this. Okay. So I tried to refresh the, uh, the soundboard. Tell me how it sounds now. Am I lagging or am I good now? Because now I've just refreshed the soundboard. Am I on target? Is it, is it, uh, am I, okay, I'm good now. Okay, perfect. So I refresh. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate that. Y'all so good, man. I appreciate it. So I'm going to pay attention over here because if you see me lagging again, let me know and I'll stop and I'll refresh the soundboard again. All right. It's this technology. It's just, I tried to buy the best technology, but like I said, we keep talking bad about our ancestors and doubting what they were capable of doing. And they were able to communicate through stones. And I'm trying to communicate with you through high fidelity technological equipment. And I'm still having problems. You see? Ridiculous. All right, let me. Um, 
get this straight. All right. And I'm looking up because I'm looking at a screen that's way above the camera. And for all of you guys who are making donations, I appreciate you. I may, I'm, after I get done, I'll go back and try to give you a quick highlight and uh, an appreciation for making a donation. All right. The Sumerian King's List translation. In the following translation, uh, we're going to be going over the Sumerian King's List located in the Ashmole Museum in Oxford, England. And it begins here. After the kingship descended from heaven, they're talking about <laughs> kingship used to be in heaven. Now, in these ancient references where you see heaven, they're not talking about heaven where the pearly white gates are. They're talking about heaven as meaning above the earth. And everywhere you see the word heaven, they're talking about these kingdoms that exist outside of earth's atmosphere. They're not talking about the pearly white gates that everybody's fantasizing about. After kingship had descended from heaven, meaning that kingship was being ruled from space, not from the planet itself. And we know that the Sumerian god Anu, A-N-U, who was the head god at one point, he didn't like coming down to the planet's surface. He preferred to rule from the sky. After the kingship descended from heaven, kingship was in Eridug. In Eridug, Alulim became king. He ruled for 28,800 years. Let me say that again. <laughs> in Eridug, Alulim, that's the guy's name, Alulim, became king. He ruled for 28,800 years. Think about that. They record these years in shars. A shar is 3,600 years. His total amount of years combined, according to these people, was 28,800. One man. That's just the time he ruled. How about how long did he actually live? They had access to monoatomic gold, colloidal silver, the, the elixir of life that they always talk about in these tablets. They knew how to transfer their mind from one body to the next. They knew how to create clones of their own body in something called the halls of Amenti in rejuvenation chambers and transfer from body to body, living amongst men, but unlike men, giving the impression to the people that they were eternal, that they were immortal. Then what happens? Alajar ruled for 36,000 years. Alajar ruled for 36,000 years. Two kings, they ruled for 64,800 years in one city called Eridug. So first, Alulim ruled for 28,800, almost 30K. And then here comes Alajar. He said, look, man, I'll take over for you. I got your back. I'll rule for another 36,000. Okay? The two kings, they ruled for 64,000. 800 years. Then Eridug fell, and the kingship was taken to Batabiera. In Batabiera, Enmanluana ruled for 43,200 years. One person. 43,200. They didn't have the telomeres capped. Their telomeres aren't capped. 
We know that there was a genetic mutation to mankind around 200,000 years ago where telomere number, uh, well, chromosome number two was taken out, fused together, and two telomere caps were put on this, this chromosome, one on each side. And the telomere was capped, meaning once it runs out of genetic buffer material, you begin the death process. Well, we know for a fact that prior to that, there's recordings of humans, homo sapiens like us, which I'm going to talk about tonight, living for way more than 60, 70, 80 years. But with the cap, the maximum lifespan is 120 years. And what did they find out at Harvard University? The maximum lifespan of a human being under the most pristine conditions and health is about 120 years. Even Star Trek copied that same thing because they've got the right conditions there in that particular century. So the maximum lifespan of a human being in the Star Trek series is 120 years because they, they know about this stuff. They put it into Hollywood to make you, to make you think it's uh, incredible, but it's just facts. That's incredible. So now we know that he ruled for 43,200 years. Enmen Galana ruled for 28,800 years. Demuzid, the shepherd, ruled for 36,000 years. In one city, they ruled this long. Three kings, they ruled for 108,000 years. Then Batabiera fell, which means the end of that, it was the end of that reign. Somebody else had to take over in some other place. And the kingship was taken to Zimbir. In Zimbir, Enmendurana became king. He ruled for 21,000 years. One king, he ruled for 21,000 years. Then Zimbir fell, and the kingship was taken to Surapag. In Surapag, Ubar Tutu became king, and he ruled for 18,600 years. One king, he ruled for 18,600 years. In five cities, eight kings ruled for 241,200 years. Then the flood swept over the land. So this is all what happened before the great flood. How come that didn't make it into your Bible? <laughs> How come that didn't make it in? Because these people weren't homo sapiens sapiens. That's why they didn't make it in. They didn't want you to know that people came here that looked like us, but that really weren't, weren't quite us. That not only, not only did they come here, but they developed a breakaway civilization on Earth and they ruled here. They ruled here. How come that's not in Bible study? Didn't make it into the Quran or anything. I don't know what's going on here. What happened? I thought this is. This is important information. We got a physical tablet. A lot of the stuff that's in those books, you have no evidence of anything. Just a whole bunch of people talking off the dome. <laughs> but here you have a physical, actual piece of evidence. And then we can track back and we know where these cities were real. And they're trying to say the earth is five to 6,000 years old. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, we got to do better. Now, the flood swept over the land. So what happened was 
after the flood swept over the land, they said, hmm, we got to change this up now. Now, first of all, when this flood came, this was a situation that was even talked about in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, where there was a global flood. As a matter of fact, in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which I talk about in my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, you can get it on Amazon or ForbiddenKnowledge.com. It's a bestseller, by the way. It's the number one bestseller out of three million books in ancient civilizations for four years. Um, Thoth, in the opening scene, is talking to his father about the flood is finally beginning to subside and that the rush of fountains have slowed down and that ancient temples are coming up out of the mud. And his dad tells him to get a crew together and go to the land of Kem and rebuild civilization. He said, rebuild, okay? Somebody wanted to know if we can drop the link so they can read along with it. I'm gonna drop the link in the live chat. Thank you, uh, LaRon James. I dropped the link to you from where I'm reading from so you can have a copy of it as well. I just dropped it in the live chat, okay? Appreciate you. Thank you, Ashley, Nicole Long. And thank you to anybody else who made a donation. I just haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to try to give you guys a little representation towards the end of this talk, okay? So we know that this flood is real, and we have an, a flood account in every single civilization on every continent from every ancient culture on the planet. I believe there were potentially more than just one flood. Some were regional, some were global. We're talking about a massive flood. And in the Sumerian tablets, according to the tablets, this, the, the reason for the flood could have been stopped. But Enlil was so disgusted with human beings, if you read the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Epic of Atrahasis, he was so disgusted he wanted to wipe out the creation and begin anew, start over. Not that he had created human beings from scratch, but they, they, they had genetically modified us to do the work for them. I talked about this in a previous video on this account. But look at my previous podcast about the Epic of Atrahasis. And so he was like, let's wipe him out and start fresh. And his relatives, Enki and, and Hersag and everyone else, they were pissed. They were like wailing to please don't do this. And But he was the king at the time, so he had the right to allow this to happen. And he did. And so what Enki did was he contacted some of his people on Earth and said, look, uh, there's a situation about to go down and I need you guys to be prepared for this. So I'm going to give you these floor plans and I need you to, I need you to build this structure. I can't do it for you because I'm going to look, it's going to look really suspect if I do it. But I'm going to give you these instructions and allow you to go ahead and if you do, if you listen to me, you'll escape this calamity. So he went to Zia a.k.a. Noah in the Bible, but he's really, his name is Zia And he gave him the plans on how to just, uh, how to build an ark. And this ark wasn't the shape that's described that in, uh, of in the Bible. It wasn't the shape of the one described in the Bible. It is actually the shape of a disc. And the, this tablet has been discovered. It was discovered about four and a half years ago and it's now public knowledge. Just look for uh, the Ark of Zia stone tablet discovered. Google it. You'll find it. And it was car cut up into sections like a pie on the inside. And he was his instructions were to get gather up his local flock and any local animals and flora that was in the area and take on the Ark with him, of course, with some 
some meals and so forth and some water and everything else, right? Not to get two of every kind <laughs> from, from around the planet. Two cockroaches and two fleas and two lizards and two false information, fake news. Didn't happen. And we have the physical tablet. We have the physical evidence of the tablet, which gave the instructions on what to build. It was a disc. Almost looking like a UFO shape. Not a big giant boat that they've been teaching y'all for generations and generations. Fake news. It's fake news. They taught you a bunch of lies. It's a disc, and we have the evidence. We have the physical evidence. How come that's not, how come the Bible hasn't been rewritten now? <laughs> yeah, come on, been rewritten. Anyway, so after the flood had swept over and the kingship had descended from heaven, the kingship was in kick. In kick, Jakur became king. He ruled for 1,200 years. This is interesting. Colusiana Bell ruled for 960 years. Then it says, Nanjik Likima ruled for 670 years. And Tarana ruled for 420 years and three months and three and a half days. Now, this is interesting. If you're going to fabricate a story like this, why do you give the name of a person, the location that they ruled, and say that not only the years, but then say three months and then three and a half days? Why give such an exact time period when you have to now etch all of this into stone? Do you see the, there's no logic behind that? The reason why this was done or why this was recorded is because it happened. And Tara'ana ruled for 420 years, three months, and three and a half days. And that was a woman. So there's a record here of a woman ruling for 420 years in these tablets. Baboom ruled for 300 years. Then we have... Zuka, uh, Zuka Keep ruled for 900. And you got all these, you know, broken pieces of this tablet, so some of that you can't read. And then you have Atab, who ruled for 600 years. Makta, the son of Atab, ruled for 840 years. Aruim, the son of Makata, ruled for 720 years. Itana, Etana the shepherd, who ascended to heaven and consolidated all the foreign countries, became king, and he ruled for 1,500 years. Listen to this again. This is very important. Etana, the shepherd, who ascended to heaven, he went up from the ground into the sky, not to the pearly gates heaven, into space. And what did he do? 
He consolidated all, not some, not a few. He consolidated all of the foreign countries. He made one giant kingdom and became king and ruled for 1,500 years. How come this is not being taught everywhere? When we have the physical evidence that you can put your hand on, you can touch it, you can taste it, you can smell it, you can see it. We know that it's real. We know that these cities are real. Why isn't this being taught anywhere? I don't understand. What, what, what's, the, what's the problem? What's the problem? Because it breaks down dogma. It breaks down falsehoods. It breaks down fake news. That's why. It destroys it. This one tablet will destroy any religion. This one tablet destroys any religion. I mean, I can go on and on and on. This thing is crazy. Look at this. Belia, Balia, I'm sorry, Bali, sorry, Bali, the son of Itana, ruled for 400 years. These people understood the longevity of life. And Menuna ruled for 660 years. Melem Kik, the son of and Menuna ruled for 900 years. 1,560 are the years of the dynasty of En Menuna. Tizar, the son of Zamug, ruled for 305 years. Iku ruled for 900 years. Itas. It, Itasadum ruled for 1,200 years. Enmeg Barajesi, who made the land of Elam submit, became king, and he ruled for 900 years. Aga, the son of Enmen Baresi, ruled for 625 years. 1,525 are the years of the dynasty of Enmeg Barasi. 23 kings, they ruled for 24,000 510 years, three months, and three and a half days. Then Kik was defeated, and the kingship was taken to Iana. Do you see the detail in this? Do you see how intricate this is? How much effort had been put into this information? We got a Bible thumper in here. Chuck says, Guy, this is not true. He has no standard of truth. Jesus is the truth. The Bible has more evidence than what he's saying. <laughs> Chuck, you need to do a lot of research, Chuck. You know why? Because the Bible is copied from all the ancient tablets that I've studied. And anyone who is an expert in ancient tablets 
or have studied even the origins of the biblical text will tell you that the Bible was copied from ancient text and then remixed. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to break down your belief system. I'm sorry to rip it away from your core as you stand or sit wherever you are in this planet. But you've been fooled. Was Jesus a real person? Yes, but his name wasn't Jesus because Jesus means hell Zeus. That's Isus. Jay didn't even exist till more recently. So you're talking about hailing Zeus. You're talking about one of the ancient Greek gods, which goes back to an ancient Sumerian god named Anu. Number one, his name is Yeshua. So if you're going to believe in this person, at least call them by their right name. And by the way, Chuck, if I asked you a question, I bet you couldn't even answer it on this live. You love him so much. What was his brother's name? Where did he travel from the age of 12 to 32? Where was he when he wasn't in the biblical text? Where did, was he, where did he go? People claim to love this man so much. And I think he was a great person, personally. I think his teachings were incredible. I think his, uh, what he learned when he, uh, when he learned the Egyptian mysteries was also incredible. And what he, what he tried to teach people was that we are gods walking in the flesh and the power of the creators inside of us, by the way. But people claim to love, quote unquote, Jesus so much, but they know nothing about him. <laughs> they can't give you any details. They know nothing. They haven't done any research on the ancient text. They haven't translated the English version of the biblical text back into Aramaic. They haven't read Hebrew. And those of you who watched my book study workshop saw me with Hebrew, Aramaic, cuneiform. And of course, I've gone through all of these tablets. And in the compendium of the Emerald Tablets, I give you the biblical verses versus the ancient text verses. And you see that well, the Bible just copied information from the old, uh, the old tablets and text, scriptures, papyruses, and cylinder scrolls from around the world, and then remixed it, put their own little touch on it so they can approve slavery and dogma and killing and, and everything else. All right? But that's many, 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 many podcasts I've done on that. So I'm sorry, Chuck, to rip away your belief system. It's hurting you at your core that what you've been following has been based on ancient texts and tablets from around the world with a man, I do mean a man's touch put on it to manipulate and control the masses. You should watch my podcast, Could the God of the Bible Be Satan? It's one of my biggest podcasts on this platform. Could the God of the Bible be Satan? I think so, because I do believe in God, but not the God that's in that book. That guy in that book is evil. And matter of fact, he says he's evil because he says, I create the good and I create the evil. Do what I say it, the Lord. That's in Isaiah. Anyway, let's get back to what we're talking about. <laughs> Nobody could challenge me on this because I know more than Christians. Anyway, let's do this. So. This text is really incredible because it's so ancient. And this version of the Sumerian tablets of this uh, king's list, the Sumerian king's list in this tablet is copied from even an older tablet. And that previous one was copied from even an older tablet. And that one was copied from even an older tablet. So we're looking at a copy of text that goes back. Who knows how many hundreds of thousands of years. You're looking at some of the oldest account in the world of people 
who came from another place, not from Earth, and created a breakaway civilization, and then began to rule over this planet. It comes down to a point where they begin to give kingship over to humans. Okay? It comes to a point post-alluvial, after the flood, where they say, okay, there's a lot of people on this planet now. And now we're going to begin to uh, have a liaison between us and the human race. So we're going to have a, a, a person that's a go-between. And that go-between is a person that's going to be half human and half Anunnaki. In this case, these Anunnaki beings created an, they created an Atlantean civilization. So it'll be a demigod, half human, half Anunnaki. And so the original pharaohs were kings. They were the liaisons between these gods who wanted to see their will imposed on the land and the masses. And then that's when it gets picked up into, from the end, if you go through this whole king's list, right? By the time you get to the end, you see, wow, the, the lifespans are really dropping or the, the kingship years are really dropping. And by the time it gets to the end, they begin to live, live shorter lifespans. So now I'm going to go and pull up. Some information on the Dogon tribe. Let me pull this down here. And pull this over. All right. So now, this is me. I'm standing inside of the temple of Seti in a hallway that leads towards the temple of Osiris or the Osirian. And in this incredible, super ancient hallway, on one side is the original Egyptian king's list that's used to make all texts based off of Egyptian king's list pretty much in the world. Okay. And so that's on my, with me facing that way, that would be on my left hand. So uh, if you're looking at the screen, it would be to your right. If you're facing away from the screen, it would be to the left. So looking straight at me, though, would be on your right side. On the left side are uh, giant representations of the Netiru, the ancient gods that came to Earth during the time of Zeptepi and turned mud into a kingdom. That's what they said there, not me. So for all the trolls and the people that's hating and why he keep talking about they got aliens in Africa. I didn't say that. They did. They said the Nituru came from outside of this earth. And they came down to the ground. And after the flood, they turned mud into a kingdom. The Emerald Tablets says the same thing. When they saw the temples, when Thoth saw the temples rising up out of the mud, they decided to go to the land of Kem and rebuild 
civilization, same thing, same story, different tablets, different time periods, same story. I got to tend to go with circumstantial evidence. Okay. And so that's me right there. I've been there. And if you want to come to Egypt with me and see these kind of amazing things, then you need to click on the link in the caption of this video or this audio podcast for my 12-day super VIP private Egyptian tour, my forbidden tour of Egypt, where I take you to see things that you never thought you'd see before. I take you to see things that no regular commercial guide is going to take you to see. You're going to experience things in a totally different way. You're going to get knowledge that's forbidden, not the mainstream fake news. When I took that class on the, uh, the, the online class for the, to get the certificate in ancient civilizations from Harvard, I had to make up answers. Not, I had to not make them up, but I had to give them the answer that they claim is the right answer, which in my opinion is the wrong answer, just to get the certificate. Think about that. I had to give the answers that I knew were wrong just to get the certificate. You're going to go on the forbidden tour of Egypt. You're going to get real knowledge. And in October, we're doing a 12-day tour, seven days on the Nile, stopping off in different ports along the way and going to see ancient sites along the way. We have two brand-new Mercedes-Benz tour buses and two brand-new ships to sail down the Nile in. And I'll be talking for seven straight days, seven straight lectures during that tour. It's going to be the greatest one we've done yet. Greatest one we've done yet. It's going to be mind-blowing. And so that's one you don't want to miss. The link is in the caption of this video if you want to be part of the Forbidden Tour of Egypt. Um, and also, you, again, you can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com. If you can't see the link, I'll try to see if I can find it on here real quick and drop it in the live chat for you uh, so that you guys can uh, upcoming tours and register. I'm also doing a forbidden tour of Turkey as well. So I'll be taking uh, some people to Turkey on a super VIP forbidden tour. And we just got back from Cambodia on a mind-blowing tour of Cambodia. We hiked about 50 miles in the jungles of Cambodia. And what a life-changing experience that was to go to all those ancient temples, Angkor Wat, Tao Prom, Angkor Tom, and all these other places. So it was mind-blowing. So I dropped a link in the live chat there. If you want to find out more about going on the Forbidden Tour of Egypt. All right. They said there's a little bit of a, is there an audio lag or am I still on point here? How's my audio going? Okay, lag, lag. Okay, give me. Let me okay. Hopefully that refresh fixed the lagging issue. I should be good to go now. All right. You're messing around with us tonight. All right. So now I showed you the Sumerian Kings list. I showed you the Egyptian Kings list, a physical version of it. And I want to pull it up here. Where, where the heck did I do with that? I need to read this. Um, hold on a second. I just had it up here. I don't know why it disappeared on me. Let me go back to the link. One second, guys. Let me pull up this link. <clears throat> because I want to go over this, a little bit of the Egyptian kings list as well. Um, here we go. Okay, here we go. Now, 
So the Dogon tribe, back to where I was talking about, so the Dogon tribe, the Dogon tribe right now are in Mali, Africa. Now, what's interesting about the Dogon tribe is they literally were the original inhabitants of pre-dynastic Egypt, or AKA the land of Kemet, okay? They were the people that were inhabiting the land of Kemet, and they were the people that had, and still do, have significant knowledge that has baffled scientists for, uh, you know, 44 or five decades now since they've learned about them. And so the Dogon tribe, we can date back to at least, uh, that would be 7,200 to 7,300 years that they were already in Kemet before it was called, long, 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 long before it was called. Egypt is a fairly new name. It's a Greek name, the land of Kemet, okay? And so you had Kemet, and uh, later on, Kemet got broken up to Egypt and Nubia, which is still really the same damn place. But the Dogons had a significant knowledge of the universe, and scientists were baffled because some of the knowledge that the Dogon tribe had modern science hadn't even acquired yet. It took them even some time to figure out or find some of the stuff that they were talking about. They knew about a trinary star system located in Sirius. Three stars orbiting each other. They knew that one of the stars, Sirius B, had literally lived his full lifespan and ran out of fuel. Some stars, when they run out of fuel, they'll actually explode, okay, and turn into a supernova. It depends on how much mass the star has. Some stars aren't big enough to go supernova, like our star, the star we have that we orbit. And yes, we orbit a star. We don't orbit the moon like these new, I don't know. Anyway, it's another podcast. So we're orbiting our star, our sun itself is about lived half of its of its lifespan. Our sun, our sun, is is only got about five billion years left to live. Now that sounds like a long, a long, long time because humans only live for about eighty years, eighty five, ninety if you're lucky on average. That's like a really good life, right? But five billion years is the blink of an eye on geological time scales. Literally, blink of an eye. In 5 billion years, our sun is not going to go supernova. It's going to expand into a red giant. As the nuclear fusion begins to deplete and the heavy elements begin to deplete, it's going to expand into a, it's going to begin to lose its gravitational force of locking it down, and it's going to begin to expand. And as it expands into a red giant, it's going to increase its size, maybe even two-thirds of what it is now. And it's going to swallow the inner solar system, completely swallow it and disintegrate the planets. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Ceres, C-E-R-E-S, Ceres, that's the fourth planet from the sun that nobody talks about, is all going to be incinerated. This is why creating a breakaway civilization and leaving your star to go somewhere else and create a breakaway civilization is the norm for any advanced race of people. It's normal. It's not something special. People coming here from another star, 
oh man, how, why, why would they do that? How could they? It's normal. We're the ones that's behind. At any point, at any given day, in any given moment, this planet can be destroyed, either whole or in part. In whole, via a geological disaster, by what? By things that we can't control, like comets and asteroids. Like we have Apophis coming back in, in about uh, around 2036. We got all these other major uh, potential calamities between comets and asteroids that are going to scrape by the planet. Then you have 30,000 nuclear bombs pointed at ourselves while we're still on the planet. (laughs) They're not here to protect us from outside threats. They're here to kill ourselves while we're sitting on top of the planet itself with no escape pods. So it only makes sense to get off world to get off world and create a breakaway civilization, which is exactly what happened here. And we have the evidence in writing carved and etched into stone all over this planet, etched into stone, saying that's exactly what happened. The Dogon tribe, what did they say? You want to have pride in your ancestors? You want to feel good about your ancestors? Well, don't spit in their face then when they tell you that the Nomo came from another star named Sirius B and brought them advanced knowledge of the universe. They came from space to this planet and sat with these people and taught them about star systems, planetary alignments. They taught them about every single planet in our solar system, the shape, the size, the color, the orbital uh, periods the equatorial uh, periods, everything going on within our solar system and beyond, they had this advanced knowledge and still have it till this very day. They have this special ritual called the Ziggy where they put these masks on and they do these alignment rituals only when specific stars and planets are aligned in space. And they do this with no telescope. And they know about these orbital orbital periods of trinary star systems with no telescope. By the way, Sirius B can't even be seen by the naked eye on a great night. Because it's a failed star, it ran out of fuel, it became a white dwarf. Just like our sun is going to become a white dwarf, which is the point I was trying to make. Our sun's going to expand and it's going to shrink to a white dwarf. They even knew how much mass was in the white dwarf. You see, just because the sun shrinks down, it doesn't lose its mass. What happens is the mass is compressed and condensed so that one spoonful, if you were able to take a spoon and take a spoonful of the mass of a white dwarf, every human being on the planet together couldn't lift it. The Dogon tribe know this. They've made that exact statement. So they understand astrophysics on a level that we had to discover much, much, much later than them. But they knew this 7,000 years ago. What's interesting is when they got to Kemet, 
it was on the rebuilding phase, meaning prior to the Dogon tribe, prior to the Great Flood, there was an advanced civilization there as well. Matter of fact, that entire region, forget that, the entire planet was an advanced civilization. Far more advanced than we have right now. We're not even close to tapping into what they had. We haven't even scratched the surface of what they had, what they were capable of doing. Even with the suppressed technologies, even those aren't scratching the surface of the total power and capabilities of these ancient cultures. So when you hear the information and the knowledge of the Dogon tribe, please don't spit in their face and say they were just making this stuff up and they don't, and you, and think you know more than them. And most people can't even do their multiplication tables past 100. You think you know more than these people. Come on, get out of here. Come on. They had the knowledge, and they still have the knowledge. They are a rare part of the civilization. I'm going to take a break on this because the Dogon tribe never had a military, police, or a jail system. Because they had zero crime. They would have disagreements. And then an elder would negotiate the terms of an agreement between the two sides. And that was the end of it. And here we got militaries. We got an air force. We got an army. We got Marines. (laughs) We got submarines and ballistic missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and nuclear warheads, and we got jails and prisons and, and all that. And we calling ourselves civilized. These people lived in a place during a golden era, a golden age, with no military, no police, no jails, and knew more about astrophysics than we knew. living in total peace and harmony. And we say we're smart because we can memorize our timetables and we can do a little bit of calculus and a little bit of algebra and we can, we don't know nothing. We're still launching chemical propelled rockets into space. We know nothing. So don't spit in your, in your ancestors' faces by thinking you know more than them because you don't, and neither do I. And so we know that, unfortunately, because of how peaceful they were, another race came in from the area and was like, you know what, man, these people are just relaxing in this golden age. They're just chilling. They ain't got no worries in the world. They're focusing on arts and crafts and knowledge and and philosophy, we'll just take them over. So they got pushed out and went out into Mali, Africa, where they are right now in Mali. Egypt or Kemet, whatever you want to call it, has been overthrown seven times. Another thing that's, before I continue to go into this Egyptian kings list, another thing that people get inaccurate or wrong is thinking that Egypt was all one race for the whole time. That's a falsehood. That's fake news. It's fake news. See, one thing about me, 
I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat things and make you feel good inside. I'm going to tell you the truth. Truth that you can look up because I always have the receipts. Egypt was overthrown seven times by seven different groups of people, multiple races. This is why when you go to the Cairo Museum, which I'll take you there if you come with me, when you go to the Egyptian Museum uh, of Civilization, which I'll take you there if you come with me, you'll see bodies in there. You'll see the mummies in there. You'll see black mummies with dreadlocks and elongated skulls, by the way. You'll see black mummies with blonde hair. You'll see fair-skinned mummies with red hair. You'll see mummies that resemble people of Persian, Greek. You'll see even some that look Asian. So why is this? Egypt was a multicultural location in Africa. Even the last ruler was Alexander the Great. He became a pharaoh there. You know, he wasn't black. We got to tell the facts. We got to give the facts. If you're a person that's believing that Egypt was black from the day it started until the day that I guess it fell and the Arabs moved in, that you're, you're being delusional. You don't know what you're, you know, you haven't studied history enough. I'm not coming down on you. I'm just saying we got to stop spreading false information. And sometimes I'll post something on my Anunnaki account and the Pharaoh may not be black. It may not be, it may be fair skin, like Ramsey's the second. Oh man, that's not, that's a fake mummy. No, that's not a fake mummy. Dude, that's the real person. We got DNA. King Tut, he was my color, my skin complexion. King Tut's, uh, King Tut's father was Pharaoh Akhenaten, who was a bit, a little bit lighter than my complexion, but had a very strange head and a very strange body. And so did his wife, which was King Tut's stepmother, not his real mother. But King Tut's grandmother and grandfather, uh, uh, um, King Tut most III and, uh, and uh, Queen Taye, Queen Taye had a big giant afro. Her, the bust of Queen Taye is sitting right there in the Cairo Museum. But then you go down a little further, you see, go up another couple of dynast dynastic eras, and you're going to find out the people look different. It's just a fact. It's a fact of life. We got to stop running from it. We got to start promoting the fake news. Yes, there were black people in Egypt. Over time, it changed up from race to race to race. It just is what it is. As Egypt was, like I said, overthrown seven times in history. Do some research. And the reasons why the noses are broken off and the ears are off is not because people didn't want people to know that black people were in Egypt. That's another big lie that's been out there for a very long time. 
going viral and floating around and floating around nonstop. When you come to Egypt with me, you learn the truth that the, the statues and carvings there that date back five, six thousand, seven thousand, some even further back than that, years, thousands of years before anybody of any other culture or skin tone came there, they're already off. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Then there's two reasons. The first reason is the most delicate part of these statues is the nose and the ears. They're the first to erode. They're the first to break when it falls. They're the first to go when they take them down and bury them or whatever happens. That's the reason number one. The second reason is the Coptic Christians. Christianity existed long before Jesus was even born. The Coptics. The Coptics uh, said, you know what? They kind of followed under Akhenaten's monotheistic ideas and began this whole new Coptic Christian thing. Akhenaten, the reason why he was kicked out of Egypt was because he started saying there's only one God and we're going to follow God. So it was really, he was worshiping Amun-Ra. But the people were like, okay, well, that's the only one then. So then it turned into the God of heaven and it turned into the Father of God and the Lord. And the Coptics took that and ran with it over time. And then it was like, we have to deface all the other gods because Akhenaten said there'll be no other god but him. So let's begin to erase this. And so the people of Egypt, they were getting pissed off at Akhenaten because he was having people go around chipping away the faces. He was. That's King Tut's dad. King Tut's dad, who was a black pharaoh, ordered this. Then the Coptics carried on. Everywhere where they would hide out from the Romans, they would hide in these ancient temples and places, and they would just, while they were in there, they'd just start chipping away because it was an insult to them. It was demonic. So they start chipping away all the faces of all these Egyptian gods. And then the Natiru, or a.k.a. the Anunnaki, they would start chipping away all the faces. Anytime they came across a statue, chip it away. It was the ultimate, in, it would be the, considered, it was considered the ultimate insult. And that's how all these faces and noses got chipped away. You come to Egypt with me, you get the real knowledge. Now I can sugarcoat it and I can keep the lie going and I can try to make a certain group of people feel real good about it. And yeah, you know, and ah, but that's not what happened. It's just not what happened. It's just not what happened. And we have the evidence in writing. We have receipts. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what, what you think. All right. So we kind of get broken up with the first dynastic, you know, the, the Dogon were pre-dynastic. Then we go into the dynastic era and it's kind of really kind of lost. There's not a lot of information about the, the, uh, the first dynasty, the second dynasty of Egypt. The first two dynasties are kind of really... It's really tough to put it together, you know? And what we do know, though, is here's something interesting. Human sacrifice was practiced at the funerary rituals that were associated with the pharaohs. So why in the world would you be an advanced civilization 
that has high technology, that knows how to build pyramids and use them for multiple purposes, create basically creating stone functioning machines, obelisks that are made of magnetized crystal granite that can send information back and forth, that can communicate electricity for gold plating and other things, other uses, because we have the gold plated items. So we know they use electric gold plating. So that means they had electricity thousands of years ago. We know they had light bulbs and all of this. And so now with all this high knowledge and all this, you know, intellect, you begin to do now human sacrifices. Something's wrong here with this picture. The sacrifices were done. Well, that tells me something about these people. They weren't that intelligent. You begin to discover that a lot of these sites that I take you to in Egypt are super ancient. I'm talking about far older than you can even imagine. We're talking about tens of thousands in some cases, tens of thousands of years old. And you begin to discover that by the time the first dynasty begins, they inherited what was already there. They built nothing. These people in the first dynasty and second dynasty built nothing. And whatever they did build fell apart. Mud brick stuff. It's a joke. They inherited these megaliths. They were there already when they arrived. Just like the Mayans built nothing. And the Mex Mexican archaeologists will tell you this, that the Mayans built nothing, because they know. The Mayans inherited what was already there. They have records that the Mayans arrived in Teotihuacan, in Chichen Itza, in Coba, and, 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 and all these other places. And the stuff was there already. They just moved in. And then they started doing what? Sacrifices. They would throw virgins into wells because they thought it would make it rain, and they would play on the ball court and rip your heart out if you won. Same thing going on over here in Egypt. Foolishness. Dogma and foolishness. Why? Because these weren't the people that built the structures. These weren't the people with the high knowledge at that time period. In some weird way, the knowledge was lost for a while. You had Namur and Khorhaha, Jur and Jet and Merineth and Den and Anajib and Semikhaket, Ka, Sinferka. Uh, you know, these are some of the kings that they're presuming ruled. And let's look at their kingship time that they may have ruled during this era. 54 years. 10 years, this one they don't know, 42 years, 10 years, eight and a half years, 34 years. You see the difference? You see the difference? Big difference in time. We don't really pick up an accurate account until we get to the king's list that I showed you I was standing in front of at Abydos. And we pick up around the third dynasty, okay? I'm going to pull this down for you and uh, show you what I'm talking about here. Let me share my screen for a second. You're not going to get this knowledge on no other, nobody else's podcast. And then I'm not the most organized. I'm not the most technologically advanced laid out. But you're going to get the damn information. I tell you that. <laughs> 
you're going to get some stuff that's going to have your head spinning and make you think for a minute. And the reason why it's going to make you think and have your head spinning, because you know I got the information to back it up. This is not one of, one of I'm not on one of these off the dome videos. There's a lot of those out there or people who are just reading straight from the mainstream report. I'm giving you on-site knowledge backed up by texts and tablets and recordings and hieroglyphs, verbal histories. You see, there's a difference there. Let me share this screen. You got it. So we're going into the third dynasty. So you can see the kind of the old kingdom picks up around 2649 to 2150 BC. Okay. That's BC. If you don't know, that means before Christ. Now they're starting to use BCE, which means before current era. So if you want to go before Christ, add another 2000 onto this number to get a real time period. Okay. So you're talking about 4,649 years ago, roughly. All right. And you can see we got the names of some of these kings from the old kingdom in the third dynasty. Zanaket, Dozer, Simachet, Kaaba, Huni, Sneferu, Khufu, Jedvere, Kafre, Nebka II, going into the fourth dynasty. Now, Menakur, and even these, uh, you know, these people here in the fourth dynasty, in my opinion, they inherited some of the pyramids that were already here and put their name on them. So they put their name on some of the pyramids. That's my personal opinion. After looking and being inside of them, like in the third dynasty, the Dozier, okay? That's the bent pyramid. That pyramid is a gigantic diagnostics tool and it's so sophisticated. I've climbed on the inside of that pyramid from the bottom all the way to the top on the inside and took people with me. I'm in videos all over the place with the, you know, the inside of this pyramid. This guy, in my opinion, put his name on it. Said, hey, this is mine. I, I, you know, yeah, we're responsible for this. I doubt it. I doubt it could have been built in his lifetime, yet alone the time he ruled. So you can see fourth dynasty, fifth dynasty, sixth dynasty. Then you get to the first intermediate period. Okay. You got dynasty eight through 10. Then the first half of Dynasty 11. Then you get to the Middle Kingdom. And then it goes second half of Dynasty 11. You can see all these kings here ruling. Dynasty 12, 13, 14 through 16, 17. Then you get to the New Kingdom era. And now you're getting into the time of the grandfather of King Tut, as you can see, Tut most the third there. Amhotep, Amhotep. Is he? Well, let me see. Hold on. Is he? Is he Tut most the third, or is he Amhotep? Let me see. Hold on. Let me just check this real quick, guys. I want to make sure I give you the right information. I could be off. It could be one or the other. Let me just look real quick. I'm gonna make sure I'm not giving you anything wrong. Could have been Amahotep, now that I saw that name there. 
Just want to make sure. Yeah, Queen Tyre. Okay, so I was saying Thutmose the Third, but it's not Thutmose the Third. Please erase that from your brain. It's Amahotep the Third. Once I saw Amahotep the Third um, there on that uh, on this King's list, I realized it was Amahotep the Third, not Thutmose the Third. Okay, so that's what it is. It's Amahotep the Third. Uh, who ruled around 1390 BC to 1352 BC? That's King Tut's grandfather. Let me see if I can move this up and highlight it. Okay, that's King Tut's grandfather, Amahotep the Third. So he's all the way. King Tut is all the way up into the 18th dynasty. Uh, well, his bloodline be, kind of becomes recognizable, I should say, around then, because some famous things happened with Amenhotep III and Queen Taye, and then leading into eventually, obviously, uh, what happened with him and his demise. But all these, all these kings here. What you can see on the right-hand side, their ruling periods, they're not that long. Very short periods in kingship, extremely short. Now we're down into the 26th dynasty, 27th. You see what it says right here? Persian. The 27th dynasty is Persian. The 26th dynasty is Saite. The 25th dynasty is Nubian. So in the 25th dynasty, the black kings returned. Okay? They returned in the 25th dynasty. Look at this. The Macedonian period. Alexander the Great. You know about that. And then you even have the Ptolemaic period. So when I tell you that multiple people ruled over Egypt, I'm not making it up. I know what I'm talking about. Let me unshare my screen now. Uh, I know what I'm talking about, okay? When I tell you that there's time periods where civilization in Egypt itself has risen and fall between cultures and races. It's a fact. It's an absolute fact, all right? An absolute fact. So yes, there were black kings and queens, but there were also Persian kings and queens. There were Greek kings and queens. There were Nubian kings and queens. There were, I mean, you can just make the mix goes on and on and on. Various kings and queens over different periods of time, meaning different races of people over periods of time. You can see them inside of these museums. The bodies are there. But the point I'm trying to make is they understood initially before the Great Flood, the Sumerian kings, they understood the secret of longevity of life. 
They understood the secret of immortality through a couple of means. Like I said before, the elixir of life, which included monoatomic gold and, um, and colloidal silver, along with a few, other, a, a few other herbs that they would add in there. They also understood how to transfer their consciousness from body to body through these many halls of amenity that existed around the entire planet. If you come to Egypt with me, I will take you to one of the halls of Amenti. I will take you to one. I will let you touch an actual rejuvenation chamber. You will see them. You will feel them. You will see solid diorite warped by an energy beam. You can't warp diorite without breaking it. It doesn't warp. But you'll see solid diorite warped. You'll see, you'll see a gigantic rejuvenation chamber that's been warped by some type of an exotic energy field. And you can touch it. You'll see things that you never thought would exist on this planet. That's what I do when I take people to Egypt. It's a trip of a lifetime. We do incredible things. All right. Um, and uh, we have a great time, by the way. We have a really, really good time. As a matter of fact, um, let me show you this real quick. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. Where are we? Video clips. Uh, check this out.
Hey, we have a great time whenever we go. We're going to do the biggest and best tour yet coming up next year. If you want to be a part of that, make sure you register ASAP. That tour is already about 50% sold out. It's going to be a mind-blowing tour. I'll be speaking seven days in a row on the Nile cruise. We're going to spend 12 days together going throughout Egypt. And we're going to have nine private visits. A private visit is when we show up, all tourists must be gone. There is nobody there but us and our team, our forbidden family, nobody else. That is how you do Egypt, private. We'll have a private dinner inside of an ancient temple. Oh, it's going to be some, one of the most incredible trips you've ever gone on in your life. And the food's going to be amazing. We, we know all the right spots. We have the right type of chefs. Everything is done. The food is handpicked, not just your run-of-the-mill food, so you don't have to worry about getting sick. So we're going to have a great, great time in Egypt, and the link is in the uh, live chat, also in the caption of this video. All right? It's going to be a mind-blowing trip and a life-changing trip. And you're going to see things you never thought you'd see before, a private visit inside the Great Pyramid. And we're going to have the priest open up the, uh, the subterranean shaft. Nobody even gets a chance to go down there. The subterranean shaft goes deep underneath the pyramid. And then once it goes down about 65 meters, you go down to another area that goes straight down you can go way down beneath the pyramid to the lower levels. It's something that less than one-tenth of one percent of the world will even know exists. And then even half of that will even get a chance to go down. Just great stuff that we do. We give people one of the most elite and VIP experiences that they can ever wish and hope for in Egypt. All right. And uh, also, don't forget, there's also a link in the caption of this video. We are in round three of our raise. Forbidden knowledge is uh, uh, in round three, as we are in a reg CF. And if you want to learn more about becoming an investor and a partner in forbidden knowledge, make sure you click the link in the caption of this video. And if you are a current investor and you want to update on your current investment or have questions, there's a FAQ section there, as well as a full update for all current investors on where they stand right there on the same link in the caption of this video or this audio, wherever you're listening. So make sure you click the link and make sure you check it out. All right. And don't forget, we're going to be relaunching the um, relaunching the uh, Forbidden Knowledge podcast with all fresh new episodes coming very, very soon. Again, it's still going to be me. I'm still going to do my rants and my talks. But from time to time, we will have more guests on. They'll have a slightly new look, a slightly new feel. Some will be live and some will be most likely when I go live, I'll be by myself. And most likely when I have a guest. It'll be an edited version, which will uh, probably premiere. So we give you the highest quality of production value in the video. And we're going to have a great time talking to some, talking to some really, really amazing people. All right. Um, and so, hey, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight. And don't forget to get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app. Check this out. November 25th, 2023, Eastern Standard Time. Um, sensitive material has been breached and it is now in front of the public. This is very sensitive documentation and the world will be in total chaos 
guys make sure you get the free forbidden knowledge tv app on your app store that's ios app store for apple devices google play for android devices broku apple tv samsung tvs and of course the web for bk.tv and also don't forget about the amazon fire tv as well you can get the forbidden knowledge tv app and start watching over 3,000 episodes of content on there that you won't find on youtube all right. Make sure you check that out ASAP. And if you want to become a partner for Bid Knowledge, make sure you click the link in the caption of this video as round three is moving along very good. And we're soon going to be filing for a Reg A plus, And eventually we will uplist to NASDAQ. So it's a great opportunity, something you don't want to miss out on, something that you should be a part of. Uh, make sure you check it out. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity. If you can remember when Microsoft was in a garage, Apple was in a garage, when Amazon was in the garage. And now they've created a huge amount of very wealthy people that got involved and became partners with them in the very beginning. Well, we're beyond the garage state. You can go to the link in the caption of this video and you can actually uh, download and check out our financials. It's all there, it's all publicly available. Check it out, research it, check it out and see if you would like to become a partner with Forbidden Knowledge by getting shares of Forbidden Knowledge today. And with that being said, y'all, I'm going to sign off now, but I'll be back. And I have a couple of new podcast episodes coming up very, very soon. And I'll leave you with this. Hey everyone, it's Billy Carson here, aka Forbidden Knowledge. If you've ever wanted to invest in a company that's going places, you need to take a look at us. Remember, in round one, shares were only a dollar each as our pre-money valuation came in at $20 million. Not bad for a startup, right? We did phenomenal numbers months later where our pre-money valuation went up to $30 million and share prices went up to $1.50, looking really good for the investors. And our pre-money valuation is now $50 million as we've continued to grow and expand the company. Share prices have gone up again to $2.50. If you've ever wanted to get involved with a company that's going places, that's building, that's growing and expanding, if you ever wanted to earn and learn, you should look at Forbidden Knowledge. Make sure you click the link, read up on all the information about us to make an educated decision to join the Forbidden Knowledge family today.